Welcome, and thank you for joining. I don't think I ever did this before in this shul, where I'm giving a class to no people. I'm looking at empty chairs. So we want to thank you very much if you did jo- if you are joining, if it's online now, watching it as we live stream, or if you're um, watching it later today or tonight or the next couple of days. I hope our message today is going to be very important and very relevant. Today's class is dedicated for the Fuashilema of a man who I've really gotten, uh, his family I've really gotten close to over the last little while, Mr. Stephen Batesh, Shalomo ben Leila. Hashem should send him a complete Fuashilema. is dedicated by his wife and his son and his wife and his family. Um, Stephen recently went to the hospital and one of my happiest moments of the last few weeks was seeing the video of him returning home and coming back better, watching him get out of his car with his hoodie and going into his own house was really, really great news because, as everybody knows, this has been a difficult few weeks for our community. There are many people that are in the hospital, and Stefan was one of them, and to see him out and better. And one of the reasons why I'm so thankful to him and his family is besides the fact that I've gotten really close to his son, Ike, over the last um, couple of years, and he's really growing into an unbelievable young man. Um, but throughout the whole past six months, as we were giving a lot of classes with no people in the room, the Stefan Batesh and his wife, Shlami, together, they kept sending me flowers and another bouquet of flowers and then candy and different little gifts to just show appreciation and for there to be thousands of people out there that are watching and listening at different times and for them to step out and realize um, and, and take that opportunity to show thank you really, really, really was genuinely appreciated. And so we hope Hashem, please, give Stefan a complete Shalomah and get back fully on his feet. He's on the road to that. Inshallah, will be there very soon. And without Hashem, we should only hear good news throughout the community very soon. Amen. Here's my question for today. And I bet it's a question that everybody who's listening is asking themselves the exact same question. How do we get out of this head? How do we get out of this head of all we're talking about? Is these schools are open and these schools are closed and these people are wearing masks and these people are not. And we should have schools and there's only 10 people and this is the orange zone and the red zone and the yellow zone. And the daycares are open and this school decided this and that school had people and that school didn't. And who got fined and who didn't get fined and who's still in a deal. Who only prays outside. Who's coming back to Brooklyn. When are they getting back to Brooklyn. How terrible this is. Who's going to be the president. How terrible, how much, we, how unenjoyable is the governor. How less we like the mayor. And these people are right and these people are wrong and why they're prostitutes and park. I am so done with this topic and so tired of talking about it. And I think all of us are so not in the mood to keep discussing this. So how do we get out of this head? The answer is going to be very simple. At least for now, for today, for to this class, we're going to stop talking about it right now. And instead, we are going to try and create the frame of mind that I think is critical for the next few weeks and months. And some of these these ideas are things that we've referenced plenty of times in classes throughout the years, and maybe even a little bit 
as I was driving here, thinking about it, I said, you know, some of these points we may have made even in the last few months, months, but it is critical right now. And here's the thought. We're about, we're starting Parashat Pereshi. The Torah starts anew. It's like the mood of the Torah changes. When you're in Devarim, it's one thought process, and now Pereshit, you get excited for the stories. And Parashat Pereshit is probably the most complicated of all Parashiyot, maybe in the entire Torah. And it tells us about God creating the world in seven days, and then he created men. And then he gave man instructions. And here's my little question to open the class. Hashem tells men, Lord tov adam le- No, excuse me. Ooh, I missed the right thing. Hashem says, Mikol sagan achol You're going to eat, you can eat from any fruit, any tree in the entire garden of Gan Eden. But from the etz hadat, you cannot eat. The question is, why is that the format of this statement, of this instruction? Just say, you can't eat from the etz hadat. Why does Hashem first introduce it by saying, from all the trees in the garden you can eat? Just this one you can't. Why does He start with that introduction? So the simple answer to it is, that Hashem is starting with that introduction because He's telling Adam HaRishon that you're allowed to eat fruits of trees. Because until then it could be Adam HaRishon didn't know if he was allowed to. Like initially man was not allowed to eat meat. So maybe Adam wouldn't have known that he's allowed to eat fruits and vegetables. So Hashem said, you could eat from all the fruits of the trees. But I think there's another answer that is extremely relevant to the mentality of now. Hashem knew human nature. Human nature is that if I tell you there's one tree you can't eat from, that's the only tree you think about the whole time. It's the only tree you look at. The one that you can't eat from. So Hashem said, before I give you that instruction about what you can't do, I want you to realize Every tree in the garden you can eat. Every one. So focus on all of that instead of focusing on this one tree that you can't, that you, that you can't eat and you can't focus on. Hashem is giving Adam Arishon a lesson and I know what's gonna ha- going to happen. I'm going to give you the tree you can't eat and that's going to be the tree you're going to look at and touch and eat, which is what happened eventually. Hashem is saying, please no, look at everything else because you can eat from everything else. And I think that's what's happening to us now. There are so many regular things or beautiful things or wonderful things or even sad things or challenging things that are going on in our lives. And the problem is we're all focusing on the one topic that's draining us and draining our families and it's exhausting us. Change what you're looking at. Look at all the other trees. Stop obsessing over this one tree. And I know that this one tree, so to speak, affects a lot of areas of your life. But we talk about it nonstop. In the second half of the holiday, I got up in school and I said, you know, I'm exhausted. And I said, I'll tell you why I'm exhausted. I'm exhausted for three reasons. A, because all of the medical requirements that we really need to do, like wearing masks and over your nose and social distancing and spreading apart and all those things that we have to be careful from, they're just exhausting to try to, you know, accumulate all of it and calculate all of it and make sure you're doing everything right at the right time. It's just exhausting. And then the second thing that's exhausting is the government regulations seem to be so above and beyond what's necessary. So that's also really exhausting because, you know, why can't I have 50 people in a room spread out? And then the third thing that's exhausting is watching what so many other, how so many other religious Jews are reacting 
and watching people in bar park protests and this and that and yelling and screaming and 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 even violating and, and burning and that also is exhausting because we love those people why they're reacting in ways that so badly don't represent us so the fact that the medical has so many requirements, the health has so many requirements, the fact that the government restrictions are so much, and the fact that so many people are reacting in a way that makes us frustrated, it's exhausting. And then I sat down and my son said to me, Dad, why do you have to talk about that even though it's exhausting, we can still make the best of it? Just stop talking about that. Stop thinking about it. And he's right. Stop focusing on the one tree. And I know it involves a lot of area of our life, but we're exhausting ourselves. Let's focus on what matters. Let's focus on what matters in our lives, what we, care, what we can do something about. I want to explain this concept out of the context of what we're dealing with right now in October 2020. The other night, I gave a small class over Zoom to a bunch of college young men. And I said to them, what do you think the world looked like prior to 5,780 years ago? The Torah says the world is, or the rabbis say based on the Torah, the world is 5,780 years old. What do you think was before that? So, you know, you have some boys who say, that's it, the world started 5,780 years, nothing happened before that. I say, okay, good. And then you have other people who say that, no, it was an evolution and it started millions of years before and it evolved and it grew and that, that, etc. I said, okay, good. I hear all your opinions. Now let me give you mine. And I think, and I believe I even mentioned some of this in last year's class, but it was relevant then and it's 10 times more relevant now, so I'm saying it now. I said, the Torah is true. 5,780 years is true. That's true. There's no debate on the fact that what the Torah says is true. Now, but there's science. So if the Torah is true, if science is also true, then they can't conflict. Like, there's, we know for a fact that there's oxygen in this room. There aren't people, but there's oxygen in this room. So, if there's oxygen in this room, it must fit with the fact that the Torah is true. So, if the Torah is true, it has to fit. If you tell me science says it's millions of years old, it has to fit. So, either science isn't accurate. Maybe science doesn't know what they're saying. Now, I know as I'm saying this, there are people who are going to jump down my throat and say, Rabbi, you don't know anything about carbon dating. It's proven, 1,000% proven. Okay, I'm just saying, opening up the possibility, maybe it's not completely proven because very often science, they push their agenda a little more than the proof they have. But that's not for now. That's number one. Number two is... Maybe the world was created and already was millions of years old when it was created. It was like created old. Number th that's number two. Number three is maybe every day of creation was very, very long. Number four is maybe, maybe the Mabul aged the world very much. So maybe the world really is 5,780 years, but the Mabul made it seem like millions of years. Or because it was hot water and hot water does that, it ages things. And especially for a very long time, especially extreme heat. And then finally, there's another answer that maybe the Gemara says that maybe there were 974 generations or 974 worlds before our world was created. Because the Gemara alludes to the fact that Torah was created in the thousandth generation and it was really only 26 generations in, so maybe there was hundreds of worlds before. So I gave you five answers. Either the science isn't true or it's the Mabul or the days are very long or the world was created whole, or the world, there were many worlds before. So I said, those are all the options on the table. I said, but now let me tell you my real answer, boys. My real answer is, I don't care. 
It's completely irrelevant. What Hashem is telling us is all I want you to focus on is the last 5,780 years. Everything you need to know, everything about your life, every relevant lesson in your life, every relevant concept, ideal, moral, value, lesson for your physical life, your spiritual life, your emotional life, everything that matters happened in the last 5,780 years. So who cares about what happened before? The Torah is true. It doesn't matter what happened before that is not relevant. It came, there was something, there was nothing, it was a little bit, it came, it fits, it doesn't. It, what are you talking about? Let me ask you a question. Are there two people driving on the street in Norwood right now or are there three? And Norwood Avenue and Deal. I wonder if there are two people driving or three. And Deal people are going to say, oh, I'm making fun of Deal because there's really six. Whatever. My point is, who cares? It, it's completely irrelevant. So who hears what I know? Hashem created the world. Hashem gave us the Torah. Everything in the Torah is true. All the lessons in it matter. What the world looked like 5,790 years ago, or 5,700,000 years ago, I don't care. I really don't. It doesn't matter. It's not worth discussion. It's not worth discussing. It's not worth talking about. Yet so many people get so wrapped up in this conversation. If you believe in the Torah being true, then the rest of the conversation has no point. The only reason to sell the fact that, oh, is, is if you're trying to prove against the Torah. But if you believe it's true, and you're just trying to figure out how it fits with science, there's a lot of options. And I don't care which one is right. And I don't care which one is right. Just like you don't know what it looked like in Virginia during the Revolutionary War. I know you read a history book, but you still have no idea what it really felt like. You don't know what it felt like. The freezing cold, you have no idea. And there's no way to know. Because it happened 270 years ago. So 250 years ago. So the same thing is true here. There's no way to know. You're not going to know. You're never going to know. You're going to know that there are possibilities. So why are we sitting and discussing things that are irrelevant? There's something that the Yetzirah does. Is that he makes us try to discuss the most pointless things in life. The things that we have no impact on. The things that are irrelevant to us. Or even the things that are relevant to us that we can't do anything about. That's why the Gemara writes in Chagigah, the Gemara says there are four questions you're not allowed to ask. You're not allowed to ask what happened before the world, what happened after the world, what's above the world, what's beneath the world. That means what's 17 trillion miles in the air, what's there? Now, and most people say, oh, you're not allowed to ask it because it creates doubts and it creates questions and you start to debate and you get confused. Maybe that's the reason, but I have a better reason. The reason is it's pointless. It doesn't mean anything to you. It's impossible for you to answer it completely accurately. So what the world's going to look like in 7 billion years from now? I don't know. I don't care. It's completely irrelevant to me. We need to train ourselves as life is getting more confusing and more frustrating and more distracting. We need to train ourselves to focus on what we really care about and not on anything else. So all of these discussion, I know we care, but it's so, what's the point? As far as I know, Heshi Tisla is not calling you up to find out if he should stop the protests. As far as I know, Cuomo never sent you an email and say, what do you think the world, the shul should look like? 
So why are we discussing this so much? And I am not talking to you. Because today, literally, I'm talking to myself. Why are we discussing? We're draining our hearts, our souls, our brains, our homes, our families, our religion, our community. We're draining it with all of the talk of things that we can't really change. I want to explain it even a little better. And I once read this, <coughs> excuse me, in what is, in my humble opinion, the most important secular book ever written. And some people must agree with me because it's already sold 40 million copies. The book is called Seven Habits of Highly Effective People by Stephen Covey. I believe that all those concepts in there, I don't know about every word, but all the concepts in there really can be based in Torah ideals. And one of the things he does that sticks in my mind every single day is on one page, he makes this big circle on the page. And he says, this is your circle of concern. You know what's in your circle of concern? Everything you care about. Everything. Your circle of concern is, when's your daughter going to get married? Will your son get into high school? Who's going to be the president of the United States? What's the weather going to be tomorrow? Who's, what's happening in Israel? Will there be peace in the Middle East? What, uh, which shul am I praying in? How's my parents' health? How's my cousin? When are they going to get engaged? Uh, what's the wedding going to look like in the coming week? What the rabbi should have said in shul? There's, what's the score in the Yankee game? What, what, what is it, what, what's happening in my football team this Sunday? How the fantasy team looks? How a video game? What's the next episode in some TV show? There's a billion things in your circle of concern. All these things that we're concerned with, that we care about. But inside of the next page, he makes a small circle within the big circle. And in that circle, he calls it the circle of influence. What's the circle of influence? The things on this earth that I can influence. He says successful people focus just on that middle circle. The outer circle, it might be relevant. You may really care about the weather tomorrow. But you have zero influence. You're just concerned. You have no influence. Just focus on what you can influence. So it might rain tomorrow, let's say. I think it's supposed to be nice, actually. But it might rain tomorrow. So buy yourself a raincoat. That's the influence you have. Or reschedule a visit to the park. That's where your influence is. Just focus on your influence. And he says, once you start to focus on your circle of influence, slowly that starts to expand. Because instead you have people discussing the sports and discussing the weather and discussing Cuomo and discussing the Blasio, discussing Bar Park, discussing this shul and that shul. All things that just, just sap your energy. Zone in on that little circle of influence. I'll give you an example. Everybody I know is very concerned with who the next president of the United States is going to be. Who's going to win the election on November 3rd or whenever it happens, November 3rd, 4th, 5th, 6th, 7th, 8th. God knows when we're going to have an answer. But on that election, we all want to know who's going to win the election. Everybody is concerned with it. So everybody cares about the next president of the United States. Everyone is wondering how the election is going to go. Everybody. Everywhere you go, people are talking about it. Almost everybody knows who they're going to vote for. So what happens? What happens? All we do is talk about it. And talk about it and talk about it. 
and it's all within your circle of concern. But the reality is, what influence do you have? The whole influence that you have is, is you have one vote. But if you focus on that circle of influence, you say, one second, I can make sure I vote for that person. I can make sure that my spouse votes for that person. I can make sure my parents do. I can make sure my kids do. I can make sure that my friends do. I could give each one of my friends one of those registrations to register to vote. I could give one of those things to every single person on my block. I could have each one of my kids give it to every single person on their block. I could go and make a program and try to spread it around the community and how many people can register and get maybe hundreds of more people to register. Maybe I could even pray for Hashem to make sure that it goes the right way and the right person wins. Now I'm expanding my circle of influence. But most people just talk about it and they're not even registered. So you're just talking about what you're concerned about, but you have zero influence on it. How many people? Oh, how many people? It was a day or two after Yom Kippur. I think it was a day after Yom Kippur. Everyone was all geared up for the debate. Everyone got all excited. Got on their couches. Got in their pajamas. Got ready to go. Nine o'clock. They're going to see the debate. Hear the debate. They're going to follow the debate. And then they watched a presidential debate that was two hours of yelling and screaming or whatever, interrupting and embarrassing one another. Where'd you get? My point is this. Successful people focus on the circle of influence. Unsuccessful people focus on the circle of concern. So you don't like the fact that schools are closed. Can you change it? Answer that question. Can you change it? If you can change it, discuss it. If you can't change it, then what are you talking about? So what should we focus on? Here's my little answer. You know, when Hashem created the world, it's interesting. He created the world unbelievably good for man. Man would have everything he needs, food from the ground. Everything was perfect besides the one tree that he couldn't eat. The Midrash says that every man had actually two nahashas, two snakes that would serve them and everything they needed, they could get anything they needed, almost like magical robots on both sides. And then God created a wife also to help men. So Hashem created all of these things perfectly to help men. And what happens? Man eats from the Etzadat because the snake fed it to his wife and the wife fed it to him. And Hashem appears to Adam Arishon and he says to him, Why why'd you eat from the snake? And Hashem, why'd you eat, excuse me, why'd you eat from the tree? And you know what, what was Adam's answer? The woman that you gave me, she gave me to eat from the tree and I ate it. What? Hashem gave you woman to serve you. Hashem gave you the Nahash to serve you. Hashem gave you that to serve you. So if Hashem gave you all those things to serve you, you turn it upside down and turn it into a catastrophe and that's what you blame? Throughout this time off, Hashem's given us our children home. Hashem's given us different things to serve us. Utilize them. And take advantage of them instead of using them as the problem. It's well known what the, what the rabbis say happened when the spies went into Israel. The spies went into the land of Israel and they saw Hashem made that the people of Israel, when the spies went in, were very distracted. How were they distracted? There were many funerals taking place. 
So all the spies, were, everyone was distracted by the funerals. The spies come back and they say that the country is a country that kills people. The country is one that kills people. What? Hashem set this up so that everyone is distracted, so that you could go in and out of the land unnoticed. And you're complaining about what Hashem did. He distracted everybody else so that you could be good. And now you're complaining about it. That's what we do all the time. Stop talking about the things that are distracting us. And instead focus on the things that Hashem wants us to focus on. I want to explain a little further what I mean because I don't think I explained it well enough. Hashem created man and said you could eat from every tree. Yet man focused on the one tree he couldn't eat. Hashem put us in a world where there's so much to think about and focus on and build, yet we're focusing on the one thing that's out of our control. When Hashem created the world 5,780 years ago, there's a lot of debate about what happened before it. And the reality is, it's irrelevant. And when we look at our life, we can either look at the circle of concern and be distracted by all those things we do genuinely care about, or we can focus on the circle of influence. Sometimes Hashem puts things around us to help us, like the Nahash and the woman when man was created, or the funerals in Israel when the spies went through. And we take those things that are there to help, and we complain about them and turn them into a negative. What's happening around us is a lot but there's still a lot of things we need to focus on in our own life. You know, I read a book recently from a CEO of a company, and he says, he says, every book you read talks about focus, focus, focus. It's all about focus, focus. He said the key isn't the word focus. Everyone knows you need to focus. The key is what you focus on. And I think that's critical right here, right now. What are we focusing on? What are we talking about? What are we discussing? On Sukkot, we made a rule in our, on the holiday meals that the holiday meals were going to be COVID-free zones. We're not talking about it. And the meals were so much better because of it. Because otherwise, we would have all been debating and back and forth and agreeing and disagreeing and getting heated over nothing. Let's, I'm not just saying focus on the good. That's wonderful. I'm focusing, focus on the good you can create. You just went through Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur. Did you have goals? How are you making sure those goals happen? That's your focus. Do you have a family? What are you doing to make happiness happen? Do you want to grow religiously? What are you doing to make Torah and Mitzvot happen? Talk about that. Discuss that. Debate that, because that you have an influence on. Focus on what matters in your life, or focus on what you could do for the people around you. What you can do, not what you care about, not what you're concerned with, but what you can influence. After man sinned, in the Pasuk it says, Hashem made for man kotnot or, which is like a leather clothing. And there's a lot of a skin clothing. A lot of people talk about what does it mean and why is Hashem doing this. I saw one beautiful commentary. Hashem made this sort of skin clothing to wear from animals. And Hashem was telling man, don't allow, animals were made to serve you. You don't serve the animal. Let them serve you. And the same thing is true. Hashem created society and whatever's happening around us to serve us. Use it. Don't get pulled down by it. What? 
are your goals. And the reason why I think this is so critical to be discussed right now is this reason. You know, the springtime is usually a time when people are winding down. The summertime, whether it's good or not, is people a lot of times are relaxing. And then the holiday season is very hectic. But for most people, the bread and butter of life, the focus life, what makes us who we are, are the 24 weeks between Sukkot and Pesach. Those are the times that students learn, that parents parent, that, that men grow, that women grow, that people may get a routine that they're happy about and excited about and energized to wake up to. You're going to let some rule or some restriction or some mess distract you from your routine? Really? We've been dealing with this for six months. You're going to let it continue? Put on the mask and do your life. Figure out where your kids are in school. Are they home? Are they not home? And make them have the best day possible. To figure out what your work, what your company is able to do and not able to do. And make it happen and produce. Decide what your learning Torah schedule is. And figure out, is it in person? Is it in Zoom? Is it in mask? Is it social distancing? But make it happen. That's the point. The point is so many of us are getting distracted and pulled down by our circle of concern. And we're not focusing on our circle of influence. I'll give you one more little mashal, a little Dvar Torah, and we'll end with a story. We're obviously very late, but no one has to go home because you already are home, so it should be okay. On Chola Mo'ed, many trips, we usually take our kids on some little outings. Most of them were not available this year. So we went to a park. And in the park, I had the opportunity that's really one of the wonderful pleasures of life, and you'll agree with me, to teach my little six-year-old son, Moshe, how to hit a ball, how to hit a baseball. So he takes a little wiffle bat, and if you're a dad, and you've ever done it before, you know that there's a beauty to it. This, it brings a smile to your face. There's something wonderful about watching your son and watching him. So you're teaching him how to do it, and I'm teaching him how to stand, and that was easy, and how to spread his legs, and that's easy, and how to hold the bat, that's easy, how to put the hands together, that's easy. But then I taught him the lesson that he had the hardest time doing. I said, you see this ball, this little wiffle ball? Just look at the ball. That's it. Don't look at me. Don't look at the sky, the birds, your cousins, your siblings. No. Just look at the ball. And every time we got there, I kept pitching to him. Maybe, I don't know, 50 pitches. Every time he took the bat in his hand, every time he started looking there, and up, and there, and the sky, and a cousin running by, and then looking in my face, and looking at somebody, the grandma. No, 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 no. Moshe, just look at the ball. And every time he was able to look at the ball, he hit it so squarely and so wonderfully. It was so adorable. He said, you see, watch. You see, when you keep your eye on the ball, look how effective you are. But when you're looking in a million directions, look how ineffective you are. There are so many people walking around looking at everything but the ball. Everything but what matters. Everything but what they have a real influence on. Everything but what they can produce. Just zone in on the ball. Is it hard? Of course it's hard. We just went through a living example. 
I'm giving a class on normally the class would just be set up where everyone would be in the room. There'd be a simple video camera. But now there's almost nobody in the room besides a man or two to help me. And I'm looking at a camera and the camera is, is cutting off my head and cuts off my legs and just shows my hand and just shows my tissue box. It's so easy to just get completely distracted by it. It's hard to focus. But at the end of the day, once it's zoned in, it doesn't matter where I'm standing. It doesn't matter. What matters is give the class. Focus on the ball. The same thing, you're a mother. Focus on your family. Focus on making your family better. Your son's not getting the same education in school. Hire him a tutor. Focus on what matters. Your people are not in a good mood. Create, change the mood in the house. Don't talk about, oh, all these people. Do you believe? Look at this video, what they're doing in Barbuck. I don't care. I care, but I can't do anything about it. So I don't influence. So if I don't influence, I don't want to talk about it. And again, you know, when a rabbi gets up and they say, I'm really talking to myself. I am really talking to myself this time. Really, really genuinely talking to myself. I want to end with this thought, and I think it's a beautiful one. And then we'll tell you one story that I also think is a beautiful one, and then we'll conclude. On Yom Kippur, we read a prayer. A prayer that the Kohen Gadol makes in the Holy of Holies. It's very unique. The Kohen Gadol does all kinds of service in the Bet HaMikdash. And then he goes into the Kodesh HaKodashim in front of the Aron Kodesh. Aron, one time, I mean, he goes in a few times, but there's one time that he stops and he says a prayer. Now, it's only like five lines. What would you put in that prayer? If I was writing the prayer of the Kohen Gadol, oh, I'd have a lot to write. Hashem, please make sure all the children are healthy. Make sure everyone does well in school. Make sure everyone, a lot of things. But here's what it says. It says that, Hashem, please make sure that you don't listen to those people that are walking on the road that want the rain to stop. Make sure it rains and everyone has good parnasah. And then make sure that women don't have miscarriage. That's the prayer. Huh. I get a panasah, but why, why do you have to say it this way? Don't listen to the guy on the road who's the people, the ovred, the rachim, those that are passing on the road because they don't want it to rain. Just say, let it rain. Hashem, make it rain. Hashem, make it, make everyone have a good income. Make everybody healthy. Make everyone give birth properly. Make marriages be strong. Let everyone get married. Say it straight. So I have a thought that I think is powerful and perfect and fits very well with what we're talking about. So man sinned, as we keep saying. Hashem approaches man and talks to him and says there's going to be a consequence. A consequence for the Nachash would be that from now on he has to, he has to be like a little snake slithering, slithering on the road. Then on the ground. Then he said to man, man, you are going to have to work hard to earn your income. And he said to a woman, Woman, you're going to have to go through labor and childbirth, raising children. Instead of it being a pregnancy, instead of it being like this, it's going to take nine months of pregnancy, labor, and delivery. And you're going to go through that pain. Why did Hashem make all of that happen? Because here's what Hashem did. Hashem decided that in order for man to succeed on this earth, we got to get take the nachash out of the picture. It's too much. And then we have to give man work to do. Because if we give him work to do, man will be more focused. And man won't run to sin because they'll be busy. 
And if we give women also work to do and giving birth and raising children and taking care of those children, then they also won't sin because they also won't be distracted. So Hashem removed the snake, gave man work, gave woman some pain and work, and through that, man and woman will be focused. But sometimes what happens is that we get too obsessed with that work and women get too distracted or bogged down by some of what they have to do. And so here's the blessing. Hashem, please, don't listen to those on the road. You know what that means? I think it means the snake. Ignore the snake on the road. Hashem, don't let the snake, the Nachash, have influence on our lives. Then number two, let it rain. Means let Parnassah be easy for men so that what you gave for him to focus really keeps him focused and doesn't become overwhelming and distract him from real life. And number three, the curse that you gave to woman, the consequence that she has to go through child labor, let her go through that labor and have a child and let her be productive so that, again, she's not wallowing in pain, but rather she's focused on what she can produce. So our request to Borei Olam, the Kohen Gadol is asking, is exactly to the point. Ignore those on the road, the snake. Give man his income with ease and allow woman's child rearing to be with ease. Because if those three things happen, then man can be focused. Our plea, our need right now is to use these 24 weeks no matter what the world makes it look like. You could talk about it a little bit. It's natural. It's human nature. A little bit like sports, but we're obsessing over it. Please don't. And if I made this point in May, I apologize. Because right now, it's really I don't apologize. Because right now, it's as important as it's ever been. We need to. We need to desperately be focused on what? On the, our own goals that are for ourselves, for our families, and for those that we can help. Focus on what we can influence, not on what we're concerned with. Let's make good. It does not just focus on the good, but focus on producing good and creating good. Man's mistake was you had all the trees in the garden. Enjoy those trees. Why are you looking at the one that you can't influence, that you can't touch, that you can't eat? I want to tell you one more wonderful story. I read this in a book, maybe Robert Przansky wrote this story. I think it was a one fantastic story. The lesson is so beautiful. So there was a school in Bnei Brak, elementary school. I don't know how long ago, maybe a few years ago. They were going to a park. They rented out a water park in the summer. In Israel, they have school well into the summer. They went to, rented a water park, and they were going to all, everyone, all the kids would go to water park. So the whole eighth grade, eighth grade got on their own bus. The whole eighth grade got on a bus, gets to the water park, and they see that the whole park is rented out by girls. They thought it was their day. They made a mistake. All the boys were so mad. We can't go to the park. We're not invited to the park. We're not allowed in the park. It's not fair. We had our babies. We were ready. And everyone was complaining, nagging, frustrated, upset. And they got on the bus all annoyed. And then one kid stood up and he said, you know what, boys? It's not that bad. It's a hot day, but we'll make the best of it. And he started singing a song, which means how lucky are we and how blessed are we in, our, in the portion that we were given. And the whole mood in the bus changed. And everyone got into a good mood. Wow, the Rebbe came back to school. He says, I couldn't believe what just happened. Here's this one kid with one song, turned the mood of the whole grade around. So he comes back to school, he's talking to the other rabbis. And one of the other rabbis says, I can't believe that happened on your bus. Because the same thing happened on my third grade bus. Everyone's complaining, and the kid got up and starts singing the song. He starts singing the same song. He says, what's the kid's name? He says, what's the kid's name? Turns out these two boys were brothers. 
So that night, the Rebbe, the eighth grade Rebbe, calls up the boy, the, his brother's father, and says, you know what you have in your house? Both, both of your sons knew exactly how to react and turned the tide completely. The father says, I'll tell you what happened. He says, a few weeks ago, we, my wife went to the store and bought an ISIS for my son. It turns out it wasn't kosher. They were boiling hot. They're on the bus coming home. And my son now is not able to eat it because of some strictness that we have. And instead of him sagging, he said, no problem. I won't eat it. We'll get ISIS when we get home. My wife made him a little, gave him an extra ice cream when he got home because he took it so well. And then I came home and I said, one second. The boys just didn't have the ice cream. They didn't have the ISIS even though they were boiling hot. He says, that's worthy of a party. I went back to the store, bought all kinds of food and candy and made a full-blown party and I got up and I sang that song how lucky I was with the portion we were given he says and my sons obviously learned how to react in adversity we're given an unbelievable opportunity right now to teach those around us how to focus to teach those around us how to handle adversity you could be from the majority of people that are just so exhausted and so worn out and because of that so unproductive because they're wallowing somewhere in the humongous circle of concern that's been turned upside down over the last six months. Or you can be from the minority of people, those that are successful, that know, okay, I can't eat that one tree, I'll eat everything else. I don't have to discuss what happened five billion years ago. It's irrelevant to my life. It doesn't matter, it's not worth the conversation. I don't need to know that. I can use what Hashem gave around me, the wife, the children, the nachash, so to speak, and I'm going to use it for my good. I'm going to realize that Hashem put animals, so to speak, on this earth, that I'm not talking about people you call, I'm talking about real animals. He didn't put those work to serve me. I'm not going to serve them. Like the mistake that man made by serving the nachash instead of, instead of controlling the nachash. Our job is the same. Hashem, please answer the prayer of the Kohen Gadol in Yom Kippur. Please, Bore Olam. And we could pray for this in our own lives every day. Please allow us to focus. Please don't listen to the snake on the road. The, please give man rain in order to allow us to really produce and multiply and please, uh, produce and, and create and succeed and allow women to produce and to multiply and to raise beautiful homes. You know, so many people were so distracted on Sukkot and they forgot to notice it was the most beautiful Sukkot you've ever had in your lifetime. If you look back in the last 50 years, I don't think you'll ever find a Sukkot that the weather hovered around such perfect temperatures the entire week. It rained maybe half rain for a half hour. And the minute the holiday was over, it poured for two days. Hashem gave us so much blessing around us, but we don't use it. Please, please. The book of Bereshit is about men losing focus. The story of the next 24 weeks needs to be about men and women who aren't distracted, who are focused, who understand that the circle of concern is cute to talk about for a few minutes every day. But the circle of influence is where I make my difference. And I'm going to focus on what I can do, what I can change, what I can build, and what I can become, what I can create, and what I can produce. I'm not going to focus on the things I care about that I have zero impact on. Thank you, and thank you for listening.